Welcome to the No More Mondays podcast, the show that inspires confident professionals by interviewing people who actually enjoy what they do for work. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with founders, entrepreneurs, and employees who have figured out that special sauce, the magic, the mystery to having no more Mondays. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the No More Mondays podcast as we wrap up season one. First of all, I want to thank all of you who have listened, rated, subscribed, reviewed, and done all of the things that have helped us knock it out of the park in this inaugural season of the No More Mondays podcast. We thought it would be really fun to do something special in this episode 12. And once again, I am very excited to introduce Jane Durkee, our producer, who is here to help me demystify some of the very common questions and myths I hear about job seeking and careers these days. We also have a few special guests and listeners who are going to come in and ask their questions about job searching and interviewing. So I'm very excited to put together this kind of like curated Q&A and I'm going to let Jane take Take it away and get into these myths. Thank you, Angie. This episode is going to be really fun because we're going to have some interaction and I love the opportunity to have you debunk myths around careers and especially resumes. I know. This is kind of going to be like a little mini coaching session. So you're going to get tidbits that I probably say 50 times a day to clients. Jane, what's our first myth? Okay. The first myth is, do you need a one page resume? Along with can I hire a headhunter, which we are not going to cover in today's episode, do I need a one-page resume is probably the most frequently asked question and one of the hottest debated topics out there today. And my perspective on this is probably not. I think the one-page resume is kind of an arbitrary link that has been ingrained in us thanks to our wonderful college career counselors and also from the kind of, let's say, older school days of when our resumes looked like job descriptions. Now that we're in the days of kind of artificial intelligence, intelligence, the magic three letters ATS coming into this job search and resume application process, we now have to kind of move to this content rich resume style. And it is almost impossible to create the narrative people expect to see with the right amount and right types of keywords in your resume. It's almost impossible to accomplish those two goals in one page, especially if you've had more than one job. So a new grad and maybe your first job out of college, you will likely have a one-page resume. Outside of that, it might be a page and a third. It might be a page and a half. It is whatever length it needs to be to appropriately, accurately, and in a compelling way relay the story you're trying to tell. That is a great answer. And one follow-up question to that, thinking of people that have a longer career, what is your cutoff time limit for the resume? So again, because we're in that narrative format, more content-rich storytelling-based resumes, we typically focus on the most recent 10 years of experience because that is usually the section of your, or the, the part of your career that is most relevant to where you want to go. That's a general rule of thumb. However, sometimes there are reasons to pull kind of older experience on if it gets you something that your current experience can't get you. But for most people, focusing on the most recent 10 years of experience is going to give you the story that you need to tell in that reasonable length that is generally less than two pages, because once you cross over that threshold, now you're probably just being wordy. (laughs) Excellent. Oh, the dreaded three words. What is ATS and why do we need to care about it? Applicant tracking systems. 
this is the computer system that has cropped up in the last, I'm going to say, six to eight years and it become and has become increasingly more prevalent in the application process. If you are applying to a large corporation or even a mid-sized company, there is a very high likelihood that you are submitting your qualifications to a system that is set up to scan and filter your resume for keywords, experience, dates, and whatever parameters they've decided to put in there to decide whether or not your resume ever sees a human eye. Now, I think I'm going to take an aside in resume writing style for a second and say, I think because a a computer tells the system, okay, a human should read it, you still have to create a resume that's compelling to both. So I think it's a dance. If you over keyword a resume to get you through the the applicant tracking system all the time, a human's going to read it and be like, Uh, this is like reading lines of data. So it's a little bit of a dance and you have to figure out how to strike that balance. But there is a game to the tracking system and down to kind of formatting. There's, There's so many myths around tracking systems we can't debunk because they're not meant to be. And each platform is different and customized on a level that we'll never know how to get you through with 100% assurity. And that can be a myth that just because I'm qualified, I will automatically get through the filters. However, if you're not if you if you don't know the rules of engagement and you're not playing the game and you have a font that won't filter right or your dates aren't set up right or it can't understand what your recent titles and jobs have been, that's the kind of stuff that can get you kicked out just because you didn't quite understand the rules. And so I think it's important to understand kind of some of the best practices that come into resumes today so that you can kind of play that ATS game while still creating that narrative and that story with the quick hitting highlights that the human will pick up on and get you into the rest of the process. Well, that sounds like a counterintuitive system. And given that it's a game and a dance, which I I love that description, how do you know which ATS system you're working with? Is there a universal ATS system? There is no universal system. You can kind of get a clue if you look at the URL of the application. So if you see Talio or Workday or green, there's some uh, greenhouse. Those are all applicant tracking systems that a company contracts out to, but there's also proprietary systems. Um, And even even from Talio to Talio or Workday to Workday, the parameters of the applicant application scanning can be different based on what the company has set it to. And that's why we just never can get through them with 100% assurity, but there's tricks of the trade that can can boost that percentage as as much as possible but the at the end of the day i still want you to think about the fact that a res- a resume is not a magic bullet I don't love applicant tracking systems. I think that this whole thing, and now there's like one-way interviews and and all this stuff. I feel like this AI introduction into hiring has really dehumanized human resources, but at the same time, it is the it is the game we've been given to play. But I think you need to, to remember that the, a resume is not a magic bullet. It is a very necessary, needs to be optimized tool that is part of your process, but ultimately a resume is to get you an interview. So if you're not prepared for an interview, the resume is not going to do any good. And if you diversify your application uh, strategy and you're not just hitting apply button all day long and you go direct to humans, that resume will land in front of them more often and you won't get as frustrated by getting trigger happy on the apply button and going into a black hole. Okay, Angie, let's debunk this myth. Cover letters. I think they are the bane of everyone's existence. I think every touch point of the process. 
do you need a cover letter? For me, cover letters are one of those things that's a lot like a business card. As Somehow, as we move more and more into the digital age, I don't quite understand how they're a thing, but they are. To me, an application typically, your standard job application typically has three parts, the resume, cover letter, and now your LinkedIn profile has become kind of the third leg of that triangle. In some situations, the LinkedIn profile becomes the replacement of the cover letter. It's the place where a prospective employer or recruiter goes to make sure that you are a human and kind of validate your credibility. And the, But the cover letter is still often a necessary part. I think that there's some places where it's a benefit and there's some places where we just have to do it because, again, it's it's a rule of the game. The trick to all of it is that they are requested like 90% of the time and read like a third of the time. And so for me, I recommend putting appropriate time and effort into them. I've seen I've seen people spend an hour on on a cover letter that is has a very low chance of being read. And what you just did was preclude yourself from submitting four or five other applications because you spent so much time on one. Now, that said, there's going to be situations where that's warranted when you have a really personal connection or when the cover letter could almost be standalone. There are some hiring managers that that's all they read. So to me, you have to put enough effort into it that it looks customized and will resonate with who reads it. So it's not generic but so that you're not reinventing the wheel every single time and spending spending a, a lot of your time resources on something that has a low likelihood of, of being read. That said, there is one area where a cover letter, I think, can make a huge difference. And that's when you're making a career change or a pivot because it's a place where you can add context that you can't put in the resume. So for instance, if I'm looking at applicants you know, on a recruiting project and I see somebody's resume that's really interesting and compelling, but I'm a little confused on why they're applying for this job, I'm going to go seek out a cover letter and hopefully you've explained it and added up two and two for me because people do not interpret very well in the application process because they're scanning so quickly. So that's an opportunity for you to directly tell them why they should consider you, even though their resume doesn't necessarily tell it. So they can be a really big advantage in some cer- some circumstances, but largely, you know, in a nutshell, I would say temper your effort appropriately for the likelihood it will be read. Go ahead and do the cover letter because that one chance where someone wants to read a cover letter and you didn't submit one. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of the... T- I kind of go for like a template where we write, we, we use a specific a specific job and a specific opportunity to craft a meaningful cover letter for that opportunity that can then in 10 to 15 minutes be easily transferred to other opportunities because you've already expressed the sentiment for similar type jobs that you're applying for. And so that's where you don't, you, you spent, you did one effort to invent the wheel and now you're just kind of, you know, changing a spoke or two to uh, tailor it to that specific job, but you've got a good system in place for it. We are here with Aaron from Lubbock, Texas, who's going to talk to us a little bit about some challenges he's facing in interviewing. So Aaron, tell us your big looming question about getting through the interview process. Well, hi, hi, MC. Uh, my name is Aaron Gonzalez. And first of all, thanks for having me on the show. My biggest question when, when you're interviewing, how do you go from interview to job offer and how do you stand out amongst the crowd? That's a great question. So and, and what I like about this is there's actually, I think, two common common challenges here that will other people will relate to. One, it sounds like there's a career change in your future. So we're talking a little bit about how to navigate interviews when you may not have the exact same experience as some of the other candidates. And then two, 
that kind of notion that you're maybe always the bridesmaid and never the bride, right? So you get to the very final stages of the interview process just to come up short and say, hey, we love you, but we're not going to pick you. Is that a good summary, Aaron? Yeah, that's pretty much it. And, and also, I'm one of those recent college grads still trying to break into the industry. Although I did broke into the industry like last summer as a part-time freelance digital marketer where I write uh, blog posts and, and guest articles and even got to work on writing SEO meta tags and meta, meta descriptions. So I do have nine months of that kind of experience so far. And I'm looking to build up on that. But we need to translate that into the full-time job. And the first the first thing I'll tell you, Aaron, not that this not that this really helps the overall outcome, but misery will love a little company and that the last year has been really challenging for new grads, but that's changing. And so you may be primed and, and well-practiced and versed in interviews at a time when more stuff for your experience level is coming online. So this might end up working out well for you. And you've already done one one of the few things that I recommend in you know overcoming this situation that you're in. So the first thing that you've done is you've built skills. I, I know enough about you that I know you've done a ton of certifications and you've taken on some independent projects in order to build some value into your background that goes beyond just kind of coursework or previous work experience. And what I also think you're doing is showing the relevance of that and the willing to the willingness to kind of work hard and take the initiative to learn what you need to learn in order to kind of get your foot in the door. One of the things I think that you could even strengthen, though, is kind of owning your individuality and the personality that you have that no one else has. So this is basically drilling into what your unique value proposition is and knowing how to very confidently deliver that to somebody to say, here's why you should hire me instead of somebody else without saying, here's why you should hire me instead of hiring somebody else. And I think that that's a piece that you could probably build through how you communicate that, the questions that you ask a potential employer to show interest, to reiterate fit. And you've got it. You know, I think that being your authentic self and being the individual that you are and knowing how to articulate that unique value proposition is what resonates and will take you across the finish line in your upcoming interviews. I know something great's around the corner for you, Aaron. Thank you so much for jumping into this Q&A and being part of No more Mondays. Okay, Angie, let's debunk this myth that in your lifetime, you will only have one career. Every baby boomer out there is going, why is this a myth? That's exactly the case. And therein lies the change. And I, I love that. I love the style of this episode because Jane, these are conversations I have all day, every day with real people. So you know, you guys out there as listeners are actually getting a snapshot into kind of my perspective on careers and coaching. And the professional world has shifted quite a bit in the last, I'm going to say about 15 years. I experienced this firsthand as a professional, especially considering my age at the intro at the introduction of millennials into the workforce, combined with the onset of the 2008 Great Recession, which really shifted the acceptance and almost expectation of different jobs and different career paths. I am on number three. So I went from engineer to the nonprofit sector and now, you know, entrepreneurship and owning my own business. And so, you know, going back to like Aaron, for example, who we just heard from, he's just starting out. Do we know he's going to be in digital marketing for the rest of his life? No, he could make a pivot or shift into something related to that, or he could take that experience and make a giant change that uses his knowledge of digital marketing in a completely different way. 
we don't know until he gets he kind of until he gets there and he sees what doors present themselves. One of the things I often tell people, if you have a tunnel visioned goal of, of your career path, you might miss a door that opens up a whole new world of possibilities and gets you further beyond that goal because you, you took your blinders off. And I think I think career change or expecting to stay in the same job kind of puts those blinders on and it keeps you from understanding and realizing your strengths and how you can use them in new and different ways. You know, statistically speaking, and this is a, this is a stat from three like two or three years ago from the uh, U.S. Labor Department. By the age of 40, the average American is going to have seven jobs. So whether that's job or careers, we don't know. But change is becoming more uh, standard and also more common at a rapid pace. There's now an expectation that people are going to change jobs every year, year and a half. So that idea of job hopping is now even becoming questionable. So I think the the bottom line is, I no matter where you're at, whether you are at the starting point like Aaron, or you're more more progressed in your career, you know, mid career mid career career changes are very 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 popular. And I think no matter where you're at, you're not too young or too old to do something different and being open to those possibilities and expecting that you might ebb and flow is a good thing to wrap your head around because your entry point into the professional world or even your current state of profession is not a life sentence. And you have the ability to kind of craft and change that story based on your kind of life life goals and professional strengths. Thanks again for tuning into this special episode of No More Mondays, where we are entertaining some Q&A from actual listeners, some of whom are jumping into real conversations with me here on the podcast. And I am excited to welcome Anna Brackett from beautiful Aspen, Colorado, here to talk a little bit about making some transitions both in life and career. So... Anna, let's dive in. And what do you have to talk about today? Hi, I'm Anna Brackett. And uh, thank you for having me. My two questions are, how do you find work as a stay at home mom? And how do you stay relevant when I enter the workforce again? I have had a very kind of diverse career so far. Uh, I went to school for graphic design and that's what I'm passionate about. But I live, as you said, in Aspen, Colorado, and it's a very small area. So it's been really hard to find a steady job and career in actual graphic design. So because of that, I've kind of bounced around to jobs. How do you find work that you're truly passionate about? And then what if you have many interests and passions? There's the big thing. Halfway through your um, kind of story, the word com- like committing came to mind. And I think that that's the big thing. And I actually I'm going to go bring the new part of the story back in because I think now that mom is one of your roles in life, you almost have like forced parameters that you have to fit. And I think that's the first step to um, gaining some clarity around your next career move because you want that career move to support life not the other way around. So many people, and you know, for those of you who are big fans of No More Monday, you've heard me say this before, but we live in a, in a society, especially here in the US, who's very driven to work and that supports our life. And I find that in, in my own life and with people who have found career satisfaction, they do it the other way around. And I think that's what you have to figure out first. And now you have for a forced framework to say, okay, these are the parameters in the life requirements I need in order to probably be mom first. 
is is going to be the the primary and the in the the priority role. So, what does work need to look like around that? And asking yourself and your family those very practical questions that drive some of the decision making process because that can weed out some possibilities. And so now that you know what your life checkboxes are, you can say, okay, these are the two or the three job options that fit them. And you can hyper-focus on creating a portfolio and a job search strategy and a resume and a networking plan that goes after those things. Sometimes knowing what you don't want is just as valuable as what you do want. You just have to figure out how that clears out some of the options. Um, I guess the last question was... As a new mom, one of my concerns is really transitioning back into the workforce with a baby because that looks very different than, you know, I mean, if I were to stay home, say the next even year, I'm out of the workforce for that amount of time. Oh, so you're talking about a future transition into the workforce. Yeah, like, because that's a big, you know, I mean, a lot of... I guess not the stereotypes, but sometimes there is a stereotype with like, oh, once you have a kid, you're like irrelevant in your industry because you're like out of the industry for X amount of time. That's kind of another facet. Yeah. What happens if there's the four letter, three word, three letter word gap on your resume? I think you're in a unique. This is so this is a great question because I mean, I work with moms who have had have a 15 year one of those. Um, and it's a really, it is a really challenging transition. I think one of the, I guess one of the very unique situations you're in is to have projects for graphic design, even if it is here and there that will fill that gap because you have, and even if it is just a, a small freelance 10 hours a week, it still fills the gap. So I think one recommendation would be always, would, is to have some consistent thread of that, that from a resume perspective can show some consistent professional activity and also continued knowledge and relevance around the technologies and innovations specific to graphic design. It keeps you relevant. And I would say the same even to listeners out there who might resonate, who this question resonates with. And they're like, oh my gosh, I've been a stay-at-home mom for five years. My kid's going to go to kindergarten and I want to go, I want to go work. Well, this, you can, you can mimic this with, with like projects. Maybe you're not a graphic designer, but you can do volunteer work in the community and that can create, create, um, you know, something to talk about on the resume. You can take on kind of personal projects and initiatives. And also, while it doesn't go on a resume, being a, a stay-at-home mom, I grew up with a stay-at-home mom. It is a job. And while it doesn't go on a resume, it does give you soft skills and life knowledge that I think does build, you know, content to talk about in an interview. It's the, it's almost as practical as the resume piece of keeping some sort of toe in a professional or professional-like capacity on your resume so that there's some conversation to put on paper that can get you in the door for the bigger conversation down the road. And it's a good thing to be thinking about because if you're already aware of it at, at baby's three months old, you can you can make sure you're doing the right activities now to, so that that isn't a huge obstacle in your way two, three, four years down the road. Well, yeah, that, that makes sense because if you're kind of still trying to keep your mind active and involved in things, then you're, it's not going to be as big of a jump when, say, you do like your child does go to kindergarten or whatever, so... And it's great personal. I think it's great personal fulfillment for moms, too. And it gives you that a little bit of that balance so that um, you have adult interaction in addition to, you know, the, the baby activities. 
Uh, these were these were excellent questions, and we actually covered, I think, three or four very uh, widely relatable topics for a lot of different people out there. So this this was a you know a great little soundbite for the for the live Q and A. Anna, thank you so much for coming on No More Mondays and kind of being vulnerable, sharing a little bit of your story, and asking some great questions that give me the ability to give some good insight to you and our listeners. Thank you again for having me. Okay, Angie, this next one I think is also really widespread. Let's talk about the myth that it's easier to get a job if you already have a job. Ah, so there's the perception of the value that if you're employed, you're more employable. And I would say that in a general sense, maybe there is truth to that statement, but this is a gr- this is a great kind of little mini conversation to have coming out of my uh, chat with Anna about transitions, because what we're basically talking about is the potential that you'll have the dreaded three letter gap on your resume. Now, in Anna's situation, she's in a different situation where you know she actually has what I'm going to call a transition because of something life that happened of, of life that happened, and 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 we're talking about a little bit of a longer time away from the traditional workforce. If you're in a situation and you're considering quitting a job before you have something lined up, I think that there are a few really good questions to ask yourself in scenarios where it's warranted. And if you're going to roll right into a job search and you're looking at two, three, four, even maybe up to six months of that dreaded gap, to me, that's not like a, a glaring gap of an issue, especially as long as you can speak to it effectively in an interview and relay to an employer why they shouldn't be concerned about it. And the scenario I'm talking about is, you know, I, I don't I don't recommend making the rash, I'm going to walk out of here, I'm quitting without even having started a process or without even having a plan. I don't recommend that. I did it. <laughs> so that, there, there you go. Like, at least have a plan in place. But If you're in a position and in a role that is toxic and taking its toll on your mental, emotional, or even physical health, there are big advantages to saying, I need to proactively leave this situation in order to put myself in a better place for my job search, which is also, which also takes a mental, emotional toll on you. And it can be hard to have hope and vision for the future if you're caught up in the mire of a toxic environment or a toxic workplace. And so sometimes it's just necessary to kind of create that baseline for yourself and choose to get yourself in a better place, heal mentally, emotionally, while you go through a job search, knowing that you're going to end up in a better place. Angie, that is such great advice. I'm all about being proactive and sharing proactivity with our audience, especially our two listeners today, Aaron and Anna. Thank you so much for calling in and sharing your great questions. Angie, this conversation was such a treat because we actually had like a mini session with you. Jane, thank you so much for helping me share some of this feedback on common myths. And I hope you guys out there and our listener base found a couple great pro of wisdom in this basically mini coaching session. I hope you'll stay tuned for some fun and special projects between now and the season two start. You know, I always promise some tricks and surprises. So tune in and subscribe to No More Mondays wherever you get your podcasts to remain up to date on all of our upcoming antics. How's that for a teaser? Along with a release date for an amazing season two that is just around the corner. If you'd like to leave us comments, feedback, or guest suggestions, please visit us online at nomoremondays.info. And as always, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of No More Mondays. We hoped you grabbed some great insights to help you improve your professional satisfaction. 
please visit us at Apple iTunes and give us a rating so we can continue to offer you awesome interviews and content each week. No More Mondays. New episodes drop every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit our website at careerbenders.com. That's careerbenders, B as in boy, S as in Sam.com. This is your host, Angie Callen, signing off. Until next week, when we chat with another inspired, confident professional.